This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. As the economy ground to a halt this spring, one of the things that companies stopped doing was launching big corporate takeovers. The pandemic made it really hard with everybody home. You can't really negotiate deals over Zoom as easily as you can, you know, face-to-face working out the terms. Carol Lombardo covers mergers and acquisitions. It's been pretty striking. Globally, I mean, if you look at a calendar of when big M&A deals were announced, it basically completely drops off starting the week after we all started working from home. So what, mid to late March, all deals essentially stopped. That's exactly right. For almost two months, Kara's beat was pretty quiet, but she suspected it wouldn't stay that way. The bankers and advisors she talks to kept telling her crises have a way of separating the winners from the losers. The strong get stronger and the weak get weaker. And eventually, the strong start buying the weak. Deal-making was bound to ramp up again. And sure enough, last week, Kara reported it was ramping up in an industry that has been ripe for consolidation for years, food delivery. Today on the show, how the pandemic is triggering a shakeup in the food delivery business and why we may see more deals in more industries by the time this crisis is over. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Monday, May 18th. One of the defining characteristics of the food delivery business these past few years has been how crowded it is. There are four major players all vying for our orders. Uber Eats, Postmates, DoorDash, and Grubhub, which also owns Seamless. And of those big four, Grubhub has been around the longest. Grubhub is a delivery app that lets you order any food your heart and stomach desire. So you can order this... The idea originally was just, why do we have all these paper menus lying around? Let's put them all online and make it easier for everyone. The restaurants that really need these services are the mom-and-pop restaurants, not the chains, but the, the little restaurant who otherwise wouldn't have easy access to these customers and can't afford to set up their own delivery network and certainly don't have the technology that can quickly route drivers on the most effective routes. So the idea for the restaurants is that they'll get more customers by making their menus available on places like Grubhub. That's right. So they come out, they kind of prove it was a good business to be in. There was an appetite for a service to connect these mom-and-pop restaurants with the people actually eating their food, and, you know, they wanted to be able to order it easily and eat it in their own home or at work. For the convenience of eating at home or at work, customers paid Grubhub a small delivery fee, and restaurants paid a portion of their sales. As orders picked up, Grubhub's business grew, and a decade later, in 2014, the company went public. It seemed like Grubhub was that special thing, a startup that could make money. 
It also showed that consumers had a huge appetite for a service like this, and that got the attention of imitators. By that point, there were already some copycat rivals who had kind of seen their success and were being funded with millions of dollars from venture capital to compete with Grubhub, and their goal was literally to steal away market share. The traditional way to try to steal business from a competitor is you come into the space and offer a lower price. So that's exactly what's happening. Uber Eats, Postmates, and DoorDash had all jumped into the food delivery business and were driving each other's prices lower and lower. It was an expensive way to do business, but Grubhub's rivals could afford it thanks to some very deep-pocketed investors. DoorDash and Uber Eats got hundreds of millions of dollars from SoftBank, the massive Japanese tech fund. And Postmates, they got funding from big names like BlackRock and Founders Fund, just to name two. These startups used those millions to recruit armies of delivery workers, flood customers with promotions, and offer discounts to restaurants. They're spending investors' money in an effort to hopefully win market share and and maybe eventually kick the competition out of the picture. That's why our mailboxes are stuffed with all these coupons and we see we're bombarded with the advertisements on the subway and on TV and we feel like they're all trying to win our orders. And all those discounts worked. Grubhub started seeing its customers flocking to whoever was offering the best deal. Customers like me and Kara. We kind of don't care. Like, do you care if you order from Grubhub or DoorDash? You kind of just want to go wherever the coupon works and there's no delivery fee. Mm-hmm. I'd say that I probably have more loyalty to the restaurant than the company that's bringing me the food. Exactly. And any, any restaurant's probably going to be on multiple platforms. So Grubhub was then put in a position where, despite having found a way to be profitable in the space, their margins were increasingly getting eaten into by, you know, how much it costs to try to ward off these, these upstarts. Grubhub had been profitable, but in the face of so much competition, it was struggling to stay that way. But Grubhub's rivals had never been profitable. And thanks to the price war, they weren't getting any closer to making money. Everyone knew this dynamic wasn't sustainable. Eventually, at least one of the companies was either going to go out of business or get bought. It just wasn't clear which company that would be. It's kind of been like a game of chicken, like who's going to move first? Each CEO and company thinks they are positioned to be like the winner of the four players, Postmates, DoorDash, Uber Eats, and Grubhub, almost all of them have talked to everybody else. They've thought about every possible combination. It's been this interesting kind of dating game that we've all been watching. And I think that the idea is that once it kind of settles and we have fewer players, there is a path to profitability. None of those early merger discussions led anywhere, in part because none of the companies were desperate yet. But increasingly, Grubhub was at a disadvantage. Unlike some of its rivals, it didn't have deep-pocketed investors willing to fund the price war. As a publicly traded company, Grubhub had to reveal its problems to its shareholders. In October, they said they weren't going to make as much money as they expected. They unveiled a more dire picture than investors realized. The stock dropped 43% in one day. Even worse day for the likes of delivery service Grubhub. Its shares sinking more than 40%. The food delivery company also lowering its guidance, blaming what it calls promiscuous diners for spreading the love. They were losing market share to DoorDash. DoorDash was now the number one player in food delivery. Grubhub had held that spot for years. Wow. So Grubhub was already on very weak footing going into the new year. For Grubhub, something had to give. And then it did. The pandemic arrived. 
That's after the break. How well do we know the people we work with every day? We share lunches, jokes, and deadlines, but are we aware of the unseen struggles we often face silently? Stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or feeling misunderstood at work? Through insight, awareness, and empathy, we can start to better see the issues our coworkers are dealing with, and that can make us and our companies healthier too. Join Holly Robinson-Pete and her guests on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Welcome back. The pandemic sent the food delivery business into overdrive. With customers stuck at home missing their favorite restaurants, order volumes shot up. Uber Eats, for example, said that food delivery bookings were up more than 50% from the same period the year before. But this boom in business didn't benefit all food delivery companies equally. Grubhub actually took a hit, especially at the start of the pandemic, because of where many of its customers are based. Because they are so centered in big cities, especially in New York, that's where they have their strongest presence. Weirdly, Grubhub actually saw food order volumes go down at the beginning of the pandemic because if you remember those first few weeks, we were all stocking up on groceries. I wasn't even yet really comfortable ordering food in. I was still just trying to get my beans lined up. (laughs) And also a lot of people left the big cities like New York. It's pretty much emptied out. The skyscrapers where companies would be placing huge orders every night are basically sitting empty right now. Grubhub has lost a lot of business here. Now, they've said it's recovered a bit, but that did hurt them probably more than their peers. The pandemic caused Grubhub, which was already on the back foot, to take another hit. But it also changed the calculus for one of Grubhub's main rivals. That rival was Uber, the ride-sharing company that owns Uber Eats. Well, I don't know about you, but I haven't been in Uber for several months now. Its ride-hailing business, they said in April, was down something like 80% from a year earlier. So nobody's taking rides anymore. We're not traveling. We're not going to the airport. We're not going to work. We're not even going, you know, to a birthday party downtown anymore. Uber's business was hit so hard that the company plans to lay off as much as 25% of its workforce. But at least there was one bright spot in the company's portfolio. Uber Eats. Food delivery is having its shining moment. So suddenly everybody's using Uber Eats. It's really interesting. Like, Uber had been having to explain, you know, why Uber Eats was an integral part of their business. It was kind of the problem child. They were in the middle of trying to fix some things and and make a clearer plan for it when it kind of became the company's shining star. Interesting. So just at the moment when Uber's main business, the the ride-hailing service, is in free fall, Uber Eats, which is a part of the company that investors didn't really care all that much about, is suddenly taking off. Exactly. And then I, th- I think that investors are like, hey, there, there's sort of a little bit of um, diversification there. You know, when you can't have people riding in the car, you can ferry goods back and forth. Maybe there's something to keeping these two businesses combined. Suddenly, Uber's problem child was helping to stabilize the business during a crisis. Now it was looking more like a division Uber might want to grow. And one way to grow is to buy a rival. 
Uber and Grubhub had talked about a merger back in February. Now, though, with all the pressure the pandemic was putting on both of their businesses, the talks picked up with more urgency. Most mergers are motivated by either innovation, cost savings, or both. In this case, I think cost savings are the real drivers. The companies estimate they could save hundreds of millions of dollars by combining. A big part of that would be the fact that Uber's delivery platform is more sophisticated than Grubhub's, and, you know, each order costs them a few dollars less. Grubhub has strong presence in big cities, especially in the U.S., whereas Uber Eats is much more international. They have a lot of presence elsewhere in the world. Combining forces, the two of them would be one of the first major international food delivery companies. The deal, which would be paid for entirely in Uber's stock, still isn't finalized, so there's a chance it could fall through. But if it happens, it would give Uber Eats and Grubhub control over an estimated 55% of the food delivery market. And while that sort of dominance might sound good for business, to some politicians, it sounds dangerous. This is a really sensitive time for M&A. These deals are being scrutinized more than ever before because they have such huge political and social implications at a moment like this. Senator Amy Klobuchar has actually talked about this deal specifically. She's concerned that a deal between Uber and Grubhub could cause prices to go up at a time when customers need food delivery the most. And that type of opposition has crushed deals like this before. And is she right? Could it mean higher prices and job losses? It's really hard to predict. I think, you know, you're balancing two things. On the one hand, consolidation can sometimes mean that a company that otherwise wouldn't survive will be able to survive and and some jobs will be saved. On the other hand, consolidation usually means that jobs are cut, costs are cut, and things shift in a way that may not be great for workers or consumers. So it's always a balancing act. And those are the exact types of questions that regulators and politicians are always trying to weigh, and, and same with executives of these companies. If this deal goes through, it would only be the first act in a much bigger story of how the pandemic will reshape American businesses. And Kara says, eventually, much of that reshaping could happen through mergers and acquisitions, as many companies struggle and others thrive. I think it was Warren Buffett who famously said, it isn't until the tide goes out that you can see who's been swimming naked. What he meant was, you know, everybody can kind of look good as, as things are chugging along and the economy is still healthy. When things change and the situation shifts, which companies had, you know, been doing the work to prepare for that moment and are going to have strength? <laughs> that maybe the ones with swimming suits will buy the ones without swimming suits. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> This will inevitably shake up the business world in in ways that we can't predict. You only have to look to which industries are suffering the most, you know, retail, travel, and know that in a few years when we come out of this, they will likely look completely different. That's all for today, Monday, May 18th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in the story from Heather Haddon and Pratika Rana. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.